0: Good morning and happy Sabbath. I, uh, for the sake of time, I actually took some of the passages that we are going to look at in regards to Revelation chapter 4, and I put them on slides, so I hope you'll be able to read them. Two things I hope you brought with you this morning. The first thing, of course, is the Bible, and I know the second thing we all brought with us was our brains. Now I'm going to do something a little bit different today, and, and, and it's at the end of the sermon this morning. I really want you to process the information that I'm going to share with you this morning. And then I want to give you the opportunity when we're done to respond to the message. I'll ask a few questions and there'll be a roving mic that will give you the opportunity to kind of respond. Maybe what did you gain? What new insight or something you would like to continue studying based upon what we share together this morning? Um, It's important for us to not only just reflect upon what we hear, but have opportunity to respond to what we hear as the Lord leads and guides. And so I want to give you that opportunity this morning as we go through this study together. There's a lot of passages we're going to take a look at and some statements we're going to take a look at in regards to this specific chapter, chapter 5 in the book of Revelation. Now, I want to start out with a statement this morning. Let's see if we can. There we go. I want to start out with a statement this morning, actually taken from the spirit of prophecy in regards to the fifth chapter of Revelation. Okay? It says the fifth chapter of Revelation needs to be what? Notice, closely studied. It is of what? Great importance. Okay? To show who. Aim it up here. There we go. Who shall act a part? Now it's going too fast. We'll get this. There we go. And I bet you it's going to go back. Okay. Who shall act a part in the work of God for what? These last days. So she's saying Revelation chapter 5 is, should be closely studied because it has great importance for these last days. Now, we're not going to have the opportunity, because of time, to literally go through the whole chapter, but I want to focus this morning specifically on that scroll, okay, and because the scroll is what is at the center of what you actually see in Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5. The setting of Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5 is the setting of judgment, okay, Now, John, when he he sees this, in John's day, it was judgment to come. But in our day, it's the judgment that is currently going on. Okay? So it's even more important for us to closely study this, even as it was for the early Christians in the time of John's prophecy in regards to this. Matter of fact, there are parallels in Scripture that parallel Revelation chapter 4 and 5. Isaiah chapter 6 parallels Revelation chapter 4 and 5. Ezekiel chapter 1 through chapter 10 also parallels Revelation chapter 4 and 5. Zechariah chapter 3 through 5 also parallel it. Isaiah 58. And, And the one parallel that we can all kind of get right here, right now, is Daniel chapter 7. Because in Daniel chapter 7, you see the Ancient of Days and he's seated on the throne... And who comes to Him? On the clouds. Who comes to the Father, the Ancient of Days, in Daniel chapter 7? Okay, so the Son of Man. Here in Revelation chapter 4, first of all, you see the Ancient of Days seated on the throne. And then in Revelation chapter 5, who stands up in the midst, who comes to the Father to take the scroll out of His hand? It's the Lamb. So Daniel chapter 7, and Revelation 4 or 5, actually parallel each other. They're very important for us to grasp. Well, so when we talk about this scroll, we're talking about it in the context of judgment. Okay? So we have to understand that first. We're in the context of judgment. Why? Because specifically in heaven, we're in the most holy place. That's where the Father is seated and that's where the Son comes to take the scroll as John foresees this happening. Okay? Now I want to go and I want to read the first part of Revelation chapter 5 again. Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. It says, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is what? Who is worthy? that's going to be central to this issue, okay? Who is worthy to open the scroll? Not just to take it, but to actually open it and to loose its seals. And no one in heaven or on the earth, I'll get there, there we go, on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. Another one, In other words, there's nobody worthy in heaven, nobody on earth, nobody under the earth that John can see at this point that is worthy enough to literally loose the seals and to open the scroll or to even look at it. So here's John's response when he looks around and nobody's there. He says, so I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, And we'll get there. Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has what? Prevailed. We're going to get to this what makes him worthy and how he had prevailed specifically, okay, to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne, okay, and of the four living creatures, And in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been, you could probably quote it, had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Okay, so the opening of the scroll in the judgment is crucial to John. Matter of fact, it is so important to John, because there's nobody found worthy, what does John do? He weeps much. He's not just, you know, sobbing. He's weeping much. He's agonizing over this very issue that nobody right now in his vision is able to open up the scroll. This scroll is central in the judgment. It's crucial to John in the judgment. And it should be just as crucial to us living in these last days of earth's history to understand this in Revelation chapter 5. How much more should the scroll be a focus for us and what it surrounds? To understand its significance, now this is where we're going to look at some passages of Scripture together. To understand the significance of the scroll, you have to go back to the Old Testament. Out of the 404 verses in Revelation, 278 of them are references to the Old Testament. Testament. There are types in the Old Testament that help us understand these visions we find specifically in the book of Revelation. So what we're going to do is we're going to actually go back. We're going to go back to the Old Testament and we're going to look at its type. Okay. Now let me ask you a question. There was only one book in the Old Testament that was placed in the most holy place. What book was that? help me out. It's okay if you yell. Okay, the Torah. Exactly. Matter of fact, it was we're going to look at how this book, the names of this book. It's very crucial to understand this. If we want to understand why John weeps, why the lamb is the only one who's worthy, and why it is that he prevails, that makes him worthy to actually take the scroll. You have to go back to the Old Testament to get this. It's actually it's the book of the law. It's the book of the covenant. It's the book of the testimony. We'll look at passages that named this book. This book was there placed on the Ark of the Covenant inside the most holy place. Okay? Now let me ask you a question. How many times was that book ever even seen? It was only seen once a year. It was when the the high priest went into the most holy place. Okay? And that just so happened to be on the what? The Day of Atonement or the Day of Judgment okay and and that book is very important to understanding this book in revelation chapter 5 and what goes on around it now i want to look at some passages the book of the law or the book of the was also called the book of the testimony notice we're going to read a passage here this is second kings chapter 11 oh, going too far second kings chapter 11 verse 12 says and he brought out the king's son to put the crown on him and gave him the what? Testimony. Now, we'll get back to this later. When a king of Israel became king, there was two things that he received. The first thing was a crown, and the second thing was the book of the law. Why? Because he was the king sitting in God's place for the children of Israel. He needed to know how to govern according to God's ways, so he was given the book of the law, or as it is identified here in 2 Kings, it's the book of the what? Testimony. Okay. Now we also see it as the book of the covenant or the book of the law first. Notice Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall what? Meditate in it. The verse later goes on to say that you should meditate in it day and night. Okay. So it's now known as the book of the law. So you have the book of the testimony. You have the book of the law. And later we're going to get into this. It contained the law of the kingdom of God. Since laws were established under a covenant by which God and His people engaged themselves to belong to each other, the book of the kingdom was also described as the book of the covenant because they were in a covenant relationship. So you have it as the book of the testimony, the book of the law, and we're going to read here in 2 Kings, It was the book of the covenant. Notice 2 Kings 23, verse 2. And he read in their hearing all the words of the what? The book of the covenant. So you have it as the book of the testimony, the book of the law, and the book of the covenant. Okay, And all of these names are very important to what this book represented and how it affected the king, how it affected the priests, and how it affected the people. Okay, so you have the book of the testimony, the book of the law, the book of the covenant. Now, since the covenant also had to do with the inheritance, are you following? God makes a covenant with the people and based on that covenant, they now become heirs. The Jews, back in the Old Testament, were now heirs. They were going to inherit the what? The promised land. So based on this covenant, they were to receive an inheritance. Okay? that God promised to His people, and the conditions required to live in that inheritance. So the, the, the Israelites actually looked at this as also the book of the inheritance. You have it as the book of the law, the book of the testimony, the book of the covenant, but it was also known as the book of inheritance. Now I want you to open your Bibles with me to Deuteronomy chapter 11, and we'll just read verses 8 through 12. Deuteronomy chapter 11 Verses 8 through 12. We have quite a few passages to go through um, because I really want you to grasp this so we can really understand Revelation better for the time in which we live, how it pertains to us. Deuteronomy chapter 11, and we're going to read verses 8 through 12. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 8 through 12. This has to do with God's inheritance, God's promise. Okay, Um, 11 verses 8 through 12. Therefore, you shall keep every what? Commandment which I command you today. Okay, this was in the book of the law. This was in the book of the covenant. This was in the book of the testimony. That you may be strong and go in and what? Possess the land. In other words, receive your what? Inheritance. Okay, to receive your inheritance. I think it's having fun on my ear there. And that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore to give your fathers to them and their descendants. A land flowing with what? Milk and honey. For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt for which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rain of heaven, a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it, this land, from the beginning of your year to the very end of your year. So if they were going to follow the book of the law by the grace of God, then they were going to receive this great possession, this great land, this great inheritance. So the children of Israel also looked at this book as the book of inheritance. Okay, It was very important to their inheritance. Containing, this book also contained promises and warnings. You read that in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Through chapter 30. Remember the blessings and the what? The cursings. So within this book, it also gave to them warnings as well as promises. Okay? As well as prophecies regarding the destiny of God's people and the world. Okay? Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 15 all the way to Deuteronomy 32 verse 48. Talk about as they would follow this book... God would prophesy their, his, their destiny, okay. what their destiny was going to be. So it was also looked at as a book of destiny. Matter of fact, we're going to look at one verse here. Do, Isaiah chapter 34. Excuse me. So many things. Isaiah chapter 34. And I want you to catch... Oop! Oh, hope it doesn't go. It says, search... I knew that was going to happen. There we go. Search from the book of the Lord... And read, okay? Not one of these shall what? Fail. God's prophesying. He's saying in advance from this book, okay? Not one of these shall fail. Not one should lack, okay? And I get it, her mate. For my mouth has commanded it, and his spirit has gathered them. He has cast the lot for them. And his hand has divided it among them with a measuring line. They shall possess it for how long? This was God's prophecy in regards to the destiny of the children of Israel. And it was in the book. Okay, it was in the book of the law. It was in the book of the testimony. It was in the book of the Lord. From generation to generation, they shall what? Dwell in it. This was God's promise. This was God's prophecy. This was God's destiny in regards to the children of Israel. So it was not only a book of testimony. It was not only a book of law. It was not only a book of covenant or a book of inheritance. It was also a book of prophecy and destiny in regards to the children of Israel. And this is really important for us to grasp. This is the type of what we are reading in Revelation. Okay? Now I want you to notice, there's two things. I'm going to want you to notice. There were two copies of this book in the Old Testament. There was a sealed copy, and there was an open copy. Are you following me? There was a sealed copy, and there was a closed copy. The closed copy was the great original. Okay? Now we're going to read in Deuteronomy here. Deuteronomy 31 verse 26 says, "Take this book of the what? Law. Law, so we know what book we're dealing with, and put it beside the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God." Okay? Then it goes on later in Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 34. It says, "Is this not laid up in store with me, sealed up among my treasures?" So this book was along the ark of the covenant and it was a sealed book and the only time that book was referenced was when they the original was referenced was on the day of judgment when the high priest went into the most holy place okay so this is the original this was the sealed copy now we get to the open copy okay we're going to look here at the open copies now this is Deuteronomy chapter 17 verse 18 it says that he shall write for himself a what A copy of this law in a book. So, in other words, they were to take, okay, from the sealed copy, and they were, or the original, and they were to make copies based on that original. And they were to share these copies. The king would receive a copy. The priests would receive a copy. And even the children of Israel themselves would receive copies. Notice with me Deuteronomy chapter. 17, verses 8 through 11. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 8. We're going to read here. Deuteronomy chapter 17, from your Bible, verses 8 through 11. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 8 through 11. Okay? It says, "...if a matter arises which is too hard for you to judge," talking to the children of Israel, "...between degrees of guilt for bloodshed, between one judgment or another or between one punishment or another, matters of controversy within your gates, then you shall arise and go up to the place which the Lord your God chooses. And you shall come to the who? To the priests, the Levites, and to judge there in those days and inquire of them. They shall pronounce upon you the sentence of judgment you shall do according to the sentence which they pronounce upon you in that place which the Lord chooses and you shall be careful to do according to all that they order you. Now notice verse 11, according to the what? Sentence of the law. Where did they get this law from? Where did the priests, the Levites get this law from? From the original that was there beside the ark. They had a copy okay in which they instruct you according to the judgment which they tell you you shall do you shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left from the sentence which they pronounce upon you that sentence they would gather from the book of the law from the book of the testimony from the book of the covenant now let's take a look there were copies also given to the children as well notice deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 6 through 8 deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 6 through 8. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 through 8. And these words which I command you today, okay, should be in your heart. That's where God ultimately wanted them. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write on them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. God gave out, they they were given copies. Smaller versions were given out to the children of Israel. And God said, listen, read from it. Meditate on it. Don't forget it. Why? Because it's the law of the covenant. It's the book of the covenant. It's the book of the law. It's the book of the testimony. It's the book of the inheritance. Okay? How many of you would want to forget about your inheritance? If you knew you had an inheritance coming, would you just say, let me just put that aside? You realize that's what this book is all about. And so many set it aside. It's like they're taking their inheritance, and we'll get into this, and they're setting it aside. Okay? We'll actually take a look at this So it was given copies, were given to the king. Copies were given to the priests. Copies were given to the children of Israel. But the original was on the side of the ark, and it was sitting there on the mercy seat, or the ark of the covenant, the mercy seat above it, but the ark of the covenant, and it was there, okay? And nobody really went in there. Only the high priest once every year. Now I'm going to fast forward. You have to remember the attitude, follow me here, the attitude of both the people and the king toward the open volume was to be measured before the great original on the day of judgment okay they had open copies to follow and based upon that they would look at those copies and they would okay they would basically measure them by the great original Symbolically represented by the high priest as he went into the most holy place on the day of atonement. Now, we're going to fast forward through the Old Testament and we're going to come to the first advent of Christ. Because this, this information we just went over is crucial to understand some of the things that happened at the first advent of Christ between Christ and the Jewish nation. Are you following? So we're going to cover just a few, few things in regards to this. You have to remember that Jesus was the Word of God. This is really important. Jesus was the Word of God. Look at these passages, and you're familiar with these passages. John chapter 1, verse 1 and 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word what? God. Was God. Okay? Now he goes on and says, verse 14, goes on and says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus was the Word of God. In other words, He was the open copy. Are you following? He was the open copy. This is really important because everyone could read Him. Okay? Notice how John speaks about the disciples' experience with Jesus when he was on the earth. Okay? It's kind of like the experience we have with a book. Okay? Notice, that which was from the beginning we just got done reading, the word, okay? Which we have heard, which we have seen with our what? goes on. We have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the what? He's saying, listen, we have seen, we have heard, we have handled a book. Jesus was the open copy when he came. And this is important for us to understand. He was the open copy. He was the book. Matter of fact, he's also described in John as the teacher. Okay, in the Old Testament, you know what the teacher was? It was the book of the covenant. It was the book of the law. It was the book of the testimony, remember? Teach your children from this book all the days. When you rise up, when you sit down, when you go to sleep at night, you teach your children. That book was to be a teacher. Okay? What was Jesus described at in John? He was described as the what? The teacher. Notice John chapter 3, verse 2, and chapter 13, verse 14. We know you are a teacher. Come from God. Okay, If I then your Lord and teacher. teacher. So Jesus is not only the book, the open copy, but he's also described as the teacher, which it was in the Old Testament. Are you following so far? This is really important because he was the true interpreter of the law. Notice with me Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Passages that you're aware of, but notice how they fit into this context. It's a very important biblical context. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Do not think that I came to destroy the book of the law, or the book of the testimony, or the book of the covenant, or the book of the inheritance. Do not think that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to what? To fulfill. Jesus was the open copy of that very book. Now, he was the open copy of the great original. Okay? So going on. This is someone who opened the word of God to the understanding of the people. He came to fulfill a program that God had revealed in his written testimony. Okay? Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to look at this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. I have come. What book is he talking about? He's talking about, yes, at that time, the Old Testament scriptures, the book of the law, the book of the testimony, the book of the covenant. Then I said, Behold, I've come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. Okay? This was very important. To do what? Your will, O God. The will as revealed in the book. Jesus was an open copy. Jesus was the open copy. Before and after his sacrifice, he had to confirm the covenant. Okay? Now, God gave his son actually a revelation or open testimony to share with the people of the new covenant. Okay, the word of God, the open copy. However, the original had to remain sealed in the most holy place beside the ark until the day of judgment, when it was expected to be given to the Lamb for the last work of judgment and verification. Actually, the day of atonement was the only day when the priestly and kingly roles. Remember, Jesus came after the order of Melchizedek why after the order of melchizedek because Mez- melchizedek was a king priest and so it's in the work of judgment that you actually see those two roles coming together okay those two roles actually come together and on this occasion taking the unsealing the original testimony of the law now i'm going to move further ahead okay So what does this have to do with us? What does this have to do with Revelation chapter 5? In the time of judgment for the people of God. The Bible says, you're going to notice with me, 1 John chapter 1, verse 11. Now get this, okay? Grab this if you can. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Now get this. He's the open copy. The Jews say that we follow the book of the law. He's the open copy of the book of the law, and they reject him. They're rejecting the very law that they claim to honor in rejecting Christ. You know what they were actually rejecting? They were rejecting their inheritance. When you reject the book of the inheritance, you just rejected your inheritance. Are you following The very testimony you claim to live by, you have just rejected. Okay? We'll come back to this. This is huge. This led the Jews to ultimately deny Christ and, as a nation, give up their right for their inheritance. Do you? This is why we don't believe once saved, always saved. Because there are times when you can give up your right to your inheritance. The Jews, in denying Christ, and we'll look at a couple other passages, literally denied their right to their inheritance when they rejected the open copy. Are you following? This is huge. The very law they presumed to honor was going to accuse and condemn them before God. Notice John chapter 5. In your Bible, John chapter 5, verse 45 through 47. John chapter 5, verse 45 through 47. This is incredible. Jesus said, Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. Are you following? There is one who accuses you. Who is that? Moses in whom you trust. Verse 46, For if you believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he wrote about me. In other words, the very thing Moses wrote, the book of the testimony, the book of the law, was the very thing that was going to accuse them. Jesus said, I'm not going to accuse you. The very book is going to accuse you. It says, for if you believe Moses, you would believe me. He wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Jesus was the open copy of what Moses, he led Moses to write. And the Jews who claimed to honor that book of inheritance in denying the very open copy that came to them, they were denying their right to their inheritance in that very act. Now there's a few things that happened for them to actually deny their right. Friends, if they were only open copies themselves, they would have not denied the open copy when it had come to them in the flesh. Notice with me, here I'm going to read to you, Matthew chapter 21, verse 43. Matthew chapter 21, verse 43. Therefore I say to you, because they denied their right to their inheritance, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given... Okay? Specifically, to a nation bearing the fruits of it. So Jesus says, Because I've tried to reach you, I've tried to make you see that I am the the open copy, and you have rejected the very copy. Therefore, it left God no other choice than to take the nation from them and give it to another nation bearing the fruits. Are you following? This is what we call transference. In other words, God now has to go through a process by which he transfers the inheritance from the Jews to the Gentiles. There's a legal process. And it goes back to, we'll come back to Revelation chapter 5. What happens then with the Jews is important to us today. You know why? Because what happened to Jews is a microcosm of what is going to happen to the human race in the last days of Earth's history. That's the macrocosm. It involves the whole world. Revelation chapter 5 involves the whole world. So what actually happens to the Jews is a microcosm. Believe it or not, in these last days, we're told there's a shaking that will occur okay people will deny their right to their inheritance and leave and others god will give that inheritance to and they will come in you can believe it or not invalidate your own inheritance okay you can the jews did it's a microcosm notice we're going to take a look at some of these passages okay um I'll go too fast Inheritance from the Jews was given to a nation bringing forth the fruits, the Gentiles. What were the legal issues at stake? For transference to take place, two things needed to happen. First, the people who signed the covenant with God had to deny their rights. That was the first step. They had to deny their rights. Okay. Now I want you to go with me. I'm not going to go up on the slide. Romans, well, I better. Romans chapter 3, I'm looking at time too. Romans chapter 3, uh, verses 1 and 2. It says, what advantage? First, let's understand. The Jews did have an advantage. What advantage then as the Jew? Or what is the profit of circumcision? What does Paul say? Much in every way. How did he say they had an advantage? Well, clearly, they were given chiefly because to them, they were committed the what? The oracles of God. They had the book of the law. They had the book of the testimony. They had the book of the inheritance, all the same book, okay? This was their advantage. But what they end up doing is resigning their right to the inheritance. They literally threw away their advantage when they denied the open copy when he was standing right there in the flesh with the human weaknesses that you and I have. So what did they do? They they actually invoke God's condemnation. Notice with me Matthew chapter 27, verse 25. They actually, okay, okay invoke God's con- condemnation because of their choice. Okay? Matthew chapter 27, verse 25. Matthew chapter 27, verse 25. When Jesus is standing there and he's about to be crucified, what the Jew- how do the Jews respond? Okay? Pilate says, this is innocent blood. They go on to say, listen, and all the people answered and said, his blood be on us and what? On our children. You know what they were doing in saying that? They were invoking God's condemnation in that statement. That was the first step to denying their right. Okay? invalidating their inheritance they resigned the theocracy notice with me John chapter 19 verse 15 why because now they chose another king John chapter 19 verse 15 they chose another king they denied their right and then they chose another leader Friends, we must be careful in these last days of earth's history that Jesus truly is our leader and king. John chapter 19, verse 15. But they cried out, Away with Him! Away with Him! Crucify Him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? What do they say? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. They denied their right and then they chose another king. This was the first step in them giving up their right for their inheritance. They denied the book and then they chose another king to rule over them. Okay? So then God tells us that he disregards them. Okay? In Romans. Chapter 9, verse 4, it says, Who are the Israelites? To whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants? Okay? The giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises. Okay? This was to the Jews. Later, it says that they disregarded them. Oh, do I have it? Oh, I guess we'll have to look at Ah, here it is. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 9. Because they did not continue in my covenant... And I what? Disregarded them. They gave up their right to their inheritance. They chose another king. They invoked the condemnation of God. And therefore, God ultimately as a nation, not as individuals, as a nation, he disregards them. Okay? So now, I want to read to you a statement out of Christ object lessons. Get this. It takes us right back to Revelation. And it all pertains to what we're talking about. This is Christ Object Lessons, page 294. Their decision, the Jews, their decision was registered in the book which John saw in the hand of him who sat, okay, upon the throne, the book which no man could open. Their decision is registered there, okay? And there's a very specific reason for that. I'm going to move on. The second step, and I'm just going to skip that because of time. I'm looking at the clock. I wish I could go over more of these verses, but anyway. The second step is that someone had to buy the inheritance back. The people who first signed the papers and said, we're making this covenant with God. Once they deny their right, then someone has to buy the inheritance back so that it can rightfully be transferred. Okay? And it just so happens that it had to be the closest relative. Leviticus chapter 25, verse 25, and I'm just giving you these passages. Let's actually read that one. Leviticus chapter 25, verse 25, so you get this. Okay? And I'm coming close to the end. Leviticus chapter 25, verse 25. If one of your brethren. Leviticus 25, 25. If one of your brethren becomes poor and has sold some of his possession, and if his redeeming relative comes to redeem it, then he may redeem what his brother sold. It had to be a relative. And matter of fact, it had to be the closest relative. This is what the whole issue of Ruth is about. Okay? One relative closest giving up the right, therefore Boaz next in line has the right to buy the inheritance. Okay? This is what the book of Ruth is about. So it has to be a close relative. Well, guess who's our closest relative? Of the human race. Jesus. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says that he was born under the law. Notice Galatians chapter 4, you're studying Galatians in your Sabbath school quarterly. As we're studying this this lesson, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says, But when the fullness of time, this goes back to the prophecy of Daniel chapter 9, had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. What is that? The book of the law. Okay, He becomes our closest relative. And when He dies on the cross, He says, now the inheritance is mine. And now I have the right to give that inheritance to whomever I need to give it to. And so then he raises up Paul, and he says, take it to the Gentiles. Because now he has the right to that inheritance in the human family. And now he can make the transition to transfer that right. Okay, Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says that he became a ransom for many. Now, what does this have to do with Revelation 5 as I close? What does this have to do with Revelation chapter 5? I want you to go to Jeremiah chapter 32, verses 6 through 12. What does this have to do with Jesus being worthy? Well, we understand what makes him worthy to take the scroll. He died on the cross. He bought the inheritance. He has now the right to open the sealed copy, to validate all the open copies. Guess who are open copies? All those who take advantage of His promises. All those who join in a covenant relationship with Him. They are all open copies. Okay? Because why? He wants to write through His Holy Spirit the law on our hearts. We become open copies. The great original is there at the throne ready to be open to validate. Why do I say that? Notice Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 6 through 12. When an inheritance was bought. When an inheritance was bought. The right was denied. They didn't want the inheritance anymore as a nation. So God buys it back. The Lord has this all taken care of from both ends. Okay? And then He buys it back and He says, okay, now I'm going to give it to whomever. But there will come a day in the judgment when there has to be a validation of each copy. Okay? Notice with me, Je- Jeremiah chapter 32, verses 6 through 9. And really, it's, it's the later verses here, but I'll read it. It says, Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalem, your uncle, shall come to you, saying, "Buy my field, which is an Anathoth for the right of redemption is yours to buy it. Then Hanamel, my uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison according to the word of the Lord and said to me, Please buy my field, that it is in Anathoth, which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is yours, and the redemption yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. Remember what Jesus says? "Ho, oh, everyone that is thirsty, come ye by and eat. And it doesn't cost any money. Incredible. So I bought the field from Hanamel. Okay? The son of my uncle who was in Anathoth and weighed out to him the money, 17 shekels of silver. And I signed the deed and sealed it and took witnesses and weighed the money of the scales. So I took the purchase deed both that which was sealed according to the law and custom, and that which was what? Open. When there was an inheritance that was purchased, there were two deeds. There was one that was sealed, and it was put in the court of law, and there was one that was open, which the person, the owner, could take with him. Now, when the authenticity of the open copy is challenged, then they would go back to the court of law and open the... Sealed copy to validate the authenticity of the open copy. Are you following? What do you think Jesus takes the scroll for in Revelation 5? To authenticate your copy, which the world is challenging as authentic or not. Are you following? This is huge. This is huge. Verse 12, And I gave the purchase deed to Barak, son of Neri, son of Messiah. Messiah, in the presence of Hanamel, my uncle's son, and in the presence of the witnesses who signed the purchase deed before all the Jews who sat in the court of the prison. Okay? So you have an open copy and you have a sealed copy. The scroll that is at the throne right now in heaven that Jesus, by the way, has in his hands is the original book of the law. We are all open copies. The challenge we have is, are we invalidating our copy by our choices, or are we validating them by our choices? Because one day, Christ himself will validate all copies. This is why John weeps, because this is actually a good thing. John weeps much because nobody's worthy enough to open the scroll, and then Jesus steps forward, and he's worthy to open John says, "Great. Now someone can validate." He was being persecuted when he was writing this, you know, because they didn't believe his copy. So he wants Christ to validate him. So he weeps much. He knows this book has to be open. He's longing for this book to be open. It's the very last thing that happens in the judgment before Jesus comes back again, is the validation process. OK? This is huge. Would John not have reason to agonize when finally the hour has come to validate in heaven at the end of the judgment the document entrusted to them on earth? And he cannot see the Son of Man coming to open it. Yet our hope is that Christ does come and that He is worthy as the song is sung. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to them, to God, by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us, the us is actually them. Okay? The elders are not singing about themselves. They're singing about the redeemed of earth. It's them, kings and priests to our God, and we, which is actually they, shall reign on the earth. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. Listen, the whole issue of the scroll has to do with the validating of the open copies. You are all open copies. Now the question is, are you really opened or are you closed? That's the issue. Because the world is going to challenge the authenticity of our copies. Satan is going to challenge the authenticity of our copies. But we need them open. They need to be open. The world needs to see, okay, the reality of this copy. It all comes down to who we are and where we are. One day our copies will be validated, or they may be invalidated. But we have the choice in this matter. God, through Christ, has given each of us the choice to say, Lord, I want to be the open copy that you want me to be. I want to be like you. Jesus was a perfect open copy. And when Jesus comes again, it says that we shall see him as he is, for we shall be like him. We will be just as open as he was open. We should be able to declare plainly, just as he declared plainly, what was in that book. And what that book was really all about in regards to this covenant relationship that we formed with him and that's available for everybody else. The beast, the dragon, are going to challenge the authenticity of the copies. But there's one who's worthy to validate your copy. Jesus is able to validate. He's the only one. He's the only one. Let's have a word of prayer. And I'm only going to give five minutes here because I'm watching the time, I want you to respond. I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you've been thinking about some of this, and you want to say, hey, you know, I never saw that before. Well, man, this is really, I want to study this more. Anyway, let's have a word of prayer, and then I'll give you that opportunity. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your many blessings. Lord Jesus, you're our closest relative. And yet you're standing as king, ready to evaluate to validate each copy seated here. Lord, I pray we will be as open as we possibly can for a world that is so closed that You will be glorified in all that we do and say and think. Thank You so much for Your many blessings. We thank You for Your Holy Spirit who writes that law on our heart and helps us to be open. We thank you so much for your many blessings. In Jesus' name we pray, our Savior and Creator, Amen. There is a mic. Anybody have anything they would like to just share? Based on some of the verses we've read, some of the thoughts that were conveyed, something you'd like to just say you were blessed by or that you want to keep studying. Doesn't matter. I want to give you the opportunity. I've talked long enough. Oh, right up here. Paul's in there here we're going to move we got some mics right up here in the front if you could just have your hand up that'd be great because we do have mics sorry i want to be able to hear you too Um, because i appreciate all the input even if i went too fast you can say you went too fast okay Uh, what you're saying then
1: is that the scene in revelation 5 is the beginning of the judgment in heaven the, yes, it and, is the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yes, and which means also that the seals then that are going to be occurring
0: come after the judgment starts. Ah, uh, Actually, the f- only from the fifth on, because in the mm-hmm. fifth seal, it says they're waiting for judgment. Do you follow? Waiting so, for the end of the judgment. No, they're actually waiting to be for the judgment to actually begin. Right. John is foreseeing judgment to come in Revelation 4 and 5. It's mm-hmm. the context. Okay. Okay. But when you read the seals, you notice in the fifth seal, they're crying for judgment. The souls from underneath the altar are saying, Lord, when are you going to vindicate? When are you going to. And so the first few f- seals are not dealing with a time in judgment. We're talking about the early church, we're talking about the church's change and transformation into the 300s and 400 AD. So, but until you get to the fifth and sixth seal, then you're into the judgment. Right. Okay, just wanted to clarify.
1: I, I look at it a little differently. Uh, I look at it as <coughs> all the seals starting that point in time because I think the vindication of the judgment in the fifth seal is you're not really vindicated until the very end of the judgment, you know, because there's that process. Right, Valid, that has to validated, through. correct. So, uh, and, and I can talk to you about that later, but no. uh, it, would, it would change somewhat our church's look at. <coughs> the seals, if the seals started at the judgment time. Um, right. So i, I, you I know, follow that's the difference of, of some people understanding yeah. and so on,
0: but that really would change things if that happened that way. It, it's true. The question you have to get around is verse 10 when it says, How long? In other words, how long, O oh Lord, holy and true, until you judge? Until you judge. So the issue is, is Lord, when are you going to begin judgment? And that's the fifth seal. So you know if they're asking how long... It hasn't happened yet. Is there... Oh, great. <clears throat> oh. What
1: actually appreciate. all encompasses this term, judgment? What does it mean? What does it all <laughs> encompass? I
0: was, I was actually hoping not to get tons of questions. Because <laughs> um, then we'd go a lot longer... Um, the judgment is is all encompassing. There's a lot to the judgment. Um, it has to do with the house of God. It has to ultimately do with the wicked in the very end, you know, at the at the after the millennium. There's a lot to go in there. But the bottom line is, in regards to the scroll, we're talking about that scroll has its link to the 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 old the book of the covenant, okay, and 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 the process of opening it, okay. You have to get through the seals first, then you can open is the validation of the open copies that already exist. Just like in the Old Testament, there were other copies that were made. Okay? We are those copies now. Okay? And this is what God wanted the Jews to be all along. He wanted them to be open copies. He said, please write this in your heart, on your mind. Now, they put phylacteries, you know what I'm saying? And they made it literal and said, well, let's have pieces of it on our foreheads. Okay? It never sunk in that's what I'm talking about. It never sunk in. Okay? And, and for us today, it has to sink in. It's still the same when you go to Hebrews. Yes?
1: Uh, so then you're saying basically we have to look at this in a parameters of uh, a court of law. Yes. And so they're setting precedents. Yes. Uh, they're establishing how the, uh, how the court is to be conducted.
0: Correct. The court was set. The books were open. There's a process. You're right. There are legal processes within the scripture, even in the Old Testament, how things were done, and God still follows that. He set them up based on His government. What encouragement can you take from this? Let me ask you a question. What encouragement can you take from this? Is there any encouragement or hope in it? That Jesus is able. Okay, thank you. Jesus is able. Matter of fact, He's very able, isn't He? Yes. He's the only one. Thank you, Jude. He's the only one able. So what does this do for you? What does His ability in this judgment do for you? And how does it help you to live? What was that? You can succeed. You can succeed strengthens our faith. Very good. Anybody? Thank you. Success is actually possible. Very good. S- faith. It helps our faith to know that Jesus is who he said he was because of what he did and how that all plays into even Revelation, as we see there. Very good. So, so let me ask you, how do you feel this is going to help you as you leave here?
1: Assurance of victory.
0: Oh, there's assurance of victory. Because he was clearly victorious, right? It it stopped John from weeping. He started praising. Okay? Very good. Excellent. So how does this help you when you leave here? Or does it not? Do you feel, well, I'm kind of lost in it, and I still got to work through it? Or there's some pieces, yes, I can definitely take. I'm sorry, I'm going to challenge you, (laughs) because I want you to really study through it and process it. Go ahead. Sorry, Judy.
1: I have learned a lot just by what you said, but I feel a need now to go home and learn some more
0: and <laughs> dig some more. Okay. <laughs> and so that's what it's doing to me, challenging me. Good. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Anybody else? Who said that? I didn't. Thanks, Sam. You know what? That is huge. If we're going to be open, what does open mean? Jesus, remember, was sent from the Father as the open copy. He didn't stay in heaven. Are you following? He was sent. If you're an open copy, He sends every single one of you. You're not to stay closed and to yourself. You are to be open. Hebrews chapter 11 says that the pioneers, okay, those of faith, they declared plainly, You know what that means? That means what you see is what you get. They were transparent. There was nothing hidden in their walk with Christ. Everybody could see it. They were open. Excellent, Sam. We need to be open, not closed. Not a closed community, but a very open one for everybody to see Jesus. Yes, in the background. What he
1: meant for us to be was his sanctuaries. He would write his laws in our hearts and our minds. Very good. And we would be a living testimony for him. Very good. And that, that was his whole desire all the way through. I mean, he says that in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, all the way through there. Amen. You know, he, you know, he says, I will write my laws in their hearts oh, and their that's minds. Right. And they shall be my people, and I, uh, I shall be their God.
0: Very good. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Paul. That's right. Right on. Well, I'm going to end with a word of prayer. I know we have a closing hymn here to sing. But thank you for your input. I appreciate it. And may the Lord bless you as you be open copies for him to one day soon validate. Let's have prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this Sabbath. We thank you so much for your many blessings. Lord, we thank you so much that we have so much to be thankful for. Jesus, you truly are the reason why each of us are seated here. And Lord, You want to do so much through Your Spirit in and through us as copies of that great original. May we bring honor and glory to You, our Savior and Creator. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Amen. Father in Heaven, thank You again so much for this Sabbath. Thank You for giving us Your Word, Lord, to study, to grow closer to Jesus, to be ready for His soon return. Lord, may we all be open until that great day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.